Well, church, today we're beginning, um, we're actually continuing, we're not beginning, we're continuing a series called Family, what, who can tell me? Family Matters, Family Matters, and today we're going to be tackling the topic of parenting. Um, Somebody this morning told me, are you sure you want to talk about that? That's a pretty touchy subject. And I said, well, God has a lot to say about parenting, so we're going to address that this morning. But this is what one parent said about raising children. If it was going to be easy to raise kids, it never would have started with something called labor. Another woman was asked, if you had it to do all over again, would you have children? She said, yes, but not the same ones. Here's an honest reply. And this week I found a short summary of some important questions and answers related to parenthood and pregnancy. For example, question, what is the most common craving in pregnancy? Answer, for men to be the ones who get pregnant. Question, when's the best time to get an epidural? Answer, right after you find out you're pregnant. Question, does pregnancy cause headaches? Answer, pregnancy causes anything you want to blame it for. Question, our baby was born last week. When will my wife begin to feel and act normal again? Answer, when the kids are in college. (laughs) And here's the last one. Question, where can I find the best information available on how to meet the challenges of parenthood? Answer, in the best-selling book of all time, the Bible. Exactly. Now, this morning, as we look at this topic of parenting, there are two things I want to do. First of all, I want to do this. I'd like to look at God's principles for parenting. You might consider this a crash course in parenting. Now, this information today about parenting is valuable for all of us because some of you are parents, some of you are grandparents, some of you may have never had kids, you may be single, divorced, remarried, whatever the case may be, this is true for every single one of us. Parents shape the lives of their children. Parents shape the lives of their children. And some of you have had really good relationships with your parents. Some of those relationships have been rocky. Um, Some of you have parents who are no longer living. Some of you were abandoned or neglected by your parents. Whatever the case may be, all of us have been affected and influenced by our parents. Now, as we began the series on the family, there was a very important principle that I wanted us all to get from the very beginning. And the principle is this. All families have issues. All families have problems and challenges. You know, you've got the... um, the ideal family, and then you've got the real family, the place that we actually live day in and day out. Now, this morning, here's what we're going to do. The first part of the message, we're going to look at God's plan for parenting. But I realize this, as a parent and as a grandparent, sometimes things don't work out the way you had planned when it comes to your kids, when it comes to your grandkids, when it comes to your families. And so what I want to do at the end of the message today is talk to parents who are struggling with their kids or their grandkids. And I want to speak to you from my heart because I want to talk about how you handle disappointment, what you do when you, when you blame yourself for the choices that other people have made, how you handle the emotions that you feel when your kids are just not on the path that God desires for them. So are you guys ready for this adventure? We're going to go ahead and dive into God's plan for parenting. So here we go. I want us to do this first. I'm going to look at a very concise passage of scripture. I'm going to read it to you. It's from the book of Ephesians because it addresses the roles and responsibilities first of children and then parents. So this is what the apostle Paul says in a book we call Ephesians. 
He says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, you may be thinking, well, is that it? I mean, I need a lot more help than that when it comes to raising my kids. Isn't there like a, you know, a biblical version of parenting for dummies, dummies that I can get a hold of? Well, the reality is that those instructions are very helpful, but we have to understand them in their context. And this is always important when you're looking at verses in the Bible. Now, the Apostle Paul, um, he's called the Apostle because he's sent on a mission by Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes to believers in the city of Ephesus. But what's really interesting is this. This section on parenting flows out of a greater discussion about how the church is supposed to work. And that leads us to a very important observation. It means that God expects parenting to happen in the context of the local church. Now this for many people is a revolutionary idea. That parenting is designed by God to occur in the context of a local church family. So what are some of the benefits of being a parent when you have a strong church family? Well, I'd like to point out a few. And if you're taking notes here this morning, um, they all start with the letter E. So here's the first. It's the example of other families. See, when you're in a church family, you have other moms and dads. And they may be married, it could be a single mom, single dad, but they're committed to raising their kids according to God's principles. And that's not just an example, it's an encouragement. Because you realize, hey, I'm not the only one. We're trying to do this together. Here's another benefit, it's the experience of other parents. How many of you, as parents, have ever made a mistake? Okay, remember, it's not good to lie in church. We all have made mistakes, isn't that true? And have you learned anything from those mistakes? Okay, we all have. And think about the collective wisdom in this room right now with all the parents and grandparents who have made mistakes. And if you're trying to figure out who those people are, they're the ones with gray hair. But seriously, we can learn from each other, from the experiences that we've had. Here's another benefit, the eyes of other parents. Because they can watch out for your kids. And then there's the energy of other parents and families. How many of you ever get tired as parents? Well, there's the energy of other people to help you, encourage you, and support you. Now, the benefits of raising kids in the context of a church family are important. And we need to understand that God has given all of us the responsibility of caring for the kids in our church family. And I'll tell you this, I am so thankful for the people here at BBCC who are involved in caring for our kids, people that are involved in serving in the nursery, serving in children's ministry, serving in our youth ministry, because they understand this really important principle that in a faith community, we're all responsible for the welfare of the children that God's entrusted to us. Now, you may have been here on a Sunday morning when children are baptized in our church, and I always ask this question to the congregation. Do you, the members of Boynton Beach Community Church, promise to support this couple, this family, as they strive to raise their kids according to the principles of God's word? First service, my wife, Chris, was sitting right here in the front row, and, and I was looking at her, and, and I could tell, you know, what she was thinking, because we talked about this, um, the benefit that we've received um, as parents, because we've been parents for a lot of years now, and grandparents as well, but we've been connected to church families. 
And there's been tremendous benefits, including the benefit of being connected to BBCC. Because we're thankful for the people that have loved our kids and encouraged our kids and taught our kids and prayed with our kids. And I want you to know this as a parent. You know, whether you have a family where there's a mom and a dad or a single mom or a single dad, whatever the case may be, you're not in this parenting thing alone. We want to be there for you as your church family. Now, beyond these practical benefits, there's a fundamental reason that Paul places parenting within the context of the local church. And here's that reason. The local church is comprised of people who have decided to follow who? Okay. Now remember, if I ask you a question and you don't know the answer, it's probably Jesus. Exactly. So when you're a Christian, you've made a commitment to follow Jesus. A Christian is somebody who has understood the bad news and embraced the good news. And of course, the bad news that you come to understand is, you know what? Man, I have just, I have missed the mark. I, I have not pursued God's purpose and God's plan for my life. The Bible calls it sin. And you realize, hey, I'm a sinner, and because of that, I'm separated from a God who is holy. Because he's holy and I'm not. And because God is just, he has to punish every sin I've ever committed. And that just punishment is to die and to be separated from God forever. And the bad news in the Bible really gets worse because you can't save yourself. There's nothing you can do to make your relationship right with God. And so God has to take the initiative. And that's the good news, that God loves you so much that he sends his son Jesus into this world. And Jesus does what none of us could ever do. He lives a perfect life. And then he allows himself to be arrested and beaten and crucified. And on a cross, God does this. He's willing to put our sin on Jesus and punish Jesus in our place. And then Jesus roars back to life three days later. That's the story in the book. And Jesus says, here's the deal. You come and follow me. You trust me and I will give you a new life. And I will restore your relationship with your father, a relationship that is built on love. And I'm so thankful the scripture says this. We love him because he first loved us. And that really leads us to this first building block for parenting and this is on your outline, building block number one, a love relationship with God. A love relationship with God. To see the connection between a relationship with God and good parenting, consider what the Bible says in Ephesians 5, because this is that section on parenting. Paul says this, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Dearly loved children. And live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now as parents, and this is so important, we learn to love our kids by understanding how God loves us as his kids. His love for us becomes a pattern for parenting. So why is our relationship with God so important in parenting? And here's the reason. God is our model for parenting and God is our source of security for parenting. And I want to talk about each one of these. First of all, God is our model for parenting. Let me ask you this. Um, has God been patient with you? Okay. God has been incredibly... <laughs> God has been incredibly patient with us. And I think about my own life. I can't believe sometimes how patient God has been with me. So what does that mean as a, as a parent? That we should be what? Patient. With who? There you go. You guys are on the right track. This is good. Okay, because we're called to imitate God. So God's patient with us, so we should be patient with our kids. Um, let me ask you this. Does God know your weaknesses and your limitations? Yeah, what does that mean for us as parents? 
we should know the weaknesses and limitations of our kids. We have to study them and understand them because they are not the same. Or what about this? Um, you can raise your hand on this one. Has God ever disciplined you for your own good? Man, that's painful sometimes. But why does God discipline us? Because he hates us. Why? Because he loves us. So when we come to discipline in our kids, why should we discipline our kids? Same reason, because we love them. We want what's best for them. So we have this, this model for parenting, but it, it raises the question, well, why do we need a model? As parents, why do we need a model to follow? I was thinking about this the other day. I was watching this commercial on television, um, Progressive Auto Insurance, and, and the commercial was saying that we basically become like our parents. Have you seen that? Yeah, well, here's the reality. We often do become like our parents. With our attitudes, with our actions, we often just begin to carry out what we had modeled for us as kids. Now, some of us grew up in families where there was a really good role model in terms of being a parent. Some of us had role models that were maybe okay. Some of us had ones that were terrible. But here's the reality. When you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a perfect role model to follow because God is a perfect father. That means that, that even if what you experienced as a child in terms of a role model was damaging or inadequate, well, you can move beyond the, the pain of the past and the patterns of the past and chart a new course for your family relying on God as your model. So God is our model, but this is really important. God's our source of security for parenting. Our source of security. Now, what is that about? I was thinking this week about the challenges that I've had as a parent, the challenges that my wife Chris and I have had together, the failures that we've had as parents. And I think that often our failures and our challenges come from our insecurities. And here's what I mean. Um, sometimes when it's time to discipline your child, you're concerned about how they're going to react. You feel insecure. What if I tell little Johnny what to do and he says, I don't want to do it. What if he gets angry? What if he won't talk to me? So you're, you're insecure because you're concerned about the kind of response you're going to get. Or on the flip side is this kind of insecurity. Um, you're concerned about what other people in your family think about your parenting style or your parenting skills. And so you're afraid of what they're going to say or what they're going to think. And so again, you're insecure. Think about this. How many of you have ever been embarrassed by your kids? Been there, done that? <laughs> We're going to start a support group after the service today. <laughs> I was thinking about an illustration of this, and it didn't take me long. I was in Publix, and there was a little boy, maybe three years old, creating quite a scene. He was on the floor, holding on to his mom's ankles, screaming at the top of his lungs, but you promised you would buy it. Now, you know, I, I just felt so bad for that mom. And I thought, you know, um, I can tell by her look and by her words, she is angry. Now, why is she angry? Well, I think that part of it might be because she's really concerned about what other people think of her in the middle of public. So what kind of mother are you? Don't you know how to parent your child? And so here's what can happen. When we're really afraid of what other people think of us, we can tend to overreact. Obey, I'll make you obey right now. You won't embarrass me again, right? And we could get really hard on our kids. Or this can happen. You go to the other extreme. Well, you don't really have to do that, Johnny, because I don't want to upset you. I want you to, you know, know that I love you, and I, I don't want you to not talk to me anymore. See, do you see the, the tension there? You can fall off the cliff this way or this way when you're insecure as a parent. So where does your security come from? 
Well, it comes from not basing your security on what your kids think or what other people think, but on what God thinks. Because if you're going to be an effective parent, you need some stability. And that stability comes from trusting God and being secure in his love. There's a verse I want to share with you in just a moment here, and it's from the book of Deuteronomy. And this is a great verse for parents. And let me just give you context once again. Israel's getting ready to enter the promised land. Now, this is a whole new adventure for them. God's setting them free from slavery in Egypt, and there's a new life ahead, and there's a lot of unknown things that they're going to experience. That's sort of like parenting, isn't it? There's always unknown things that we're going to experience. So what promise does God give them? This is Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. It's a great verse for parents, isn't it? Because it's true that God is with us. He's not going to bail on us. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be discouraged. And one of the things that, that parents are afraid of, and this is especially true of new parents, is this. What if I make a wrong choice? What if my son or daughter's in therapy for the rest of their life because I messed up as a parent? And maybe you thought that very thing. Well, here's the reality. We've all messed up as parents. So what does God want us to do? God wants us to say, hey, God, I messed up. God, would you forgive me? God, I didn't follow your plan and your principles, but I want to do that now. God wants us to get up and take this parenting plan and put it into practice today and to follow these principles going forward because he is a God of grace. So the first building block is a love relationship with God. Now here's the second building block, and we're going to pick up the pace here, a love relationship with your spouse. And again, we talked about the fact that there's the ideal family and the real family. In some families, there's not a mom and a dad. Sometimes it's a single mom or a single dad. So we're talking about God's ideal. I read a story this week about some kids that were in the attic reading old love letters that their parents had written years ago. And the boy says to his sister, did you read the names mom and dad called each other? His sister said, yeah, but they're not the names they call each other now. Here's a very important building block. A love relationship with your spouse. Now, where does that come from? It comes right here from Ephesians again. It says, however, each one of you, each one of you husbands must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. I was talking with somebody after the first service and they said, you know, I I heard one time that the best thing a husband can do for his kids is to love their mom. That is so true. A love relationship with your spouse provides security and stability in your family and it points us to this principle which is so important. The primary relationship in the family is one between husband and wife, not between parent and child. And in our American culture, this sometimes gets confused. And I know this from from years of talking with married couples and doing marriage and family counseling. That when there's conflict in a marriage relationship and the husband and the wife start to kind of drift from each other, they want to find comfort and encouragement someplace. And when they have children, that's the logical place to go. And so what can happen in terms of family dynamics is that a a mom or a dad now begins to see their relationship with their son or daughter as the primary relationship, not the relationship with their spouse. 
And here's the thing, that is not God's plan for our families. And when a, when a parent gives love and attention to a child at the expense of their spouse, things are not heading in the right direction. And so we need to understand that and say, okay, God, we want to do it your way. So quick review, building block number one, a relationship, a love relationship with God. Secondly, a love relationship with your spouse. Here's building block number three, the responsibility of children to honor and obey their parents. Look at this verse from Ephesians chapter 6 again. Children, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So the third building block is this responsibility that children have to honor and obey their parents. Now, how important is this to God? Extremely important. God has a top 10 list. They're not suggestions. It's not the 10 suggestions. What is it called? The 10? This is what I really, really want you to do. I want you to take me seriously about this, right? Now, you may know that in terms of the 10 commandments, the first four deal with our relationship with God and the next six deal with our relationships with other people. So if you think about that, commandment number five says honor your father and your mother, but that's the number one commandment when it comes to our relationships with each other. So God takes this very, very seriously, the responsibility that children have to honor and obey their kids. Now, if you're a parent, I know you've encountered this question when you tell your child what to do. And the question is what? Three letters starts with a W, ends with a Y. Yeah, why? Why, mommy? I don't want to do it. Why do I have to do it? Have you ever run into that? Okay. Why, daddy? And what are some responses that we give our kids? Because I'm the mommy. Because I'm the daddy. Because you won't get your allowance. Because you're going to be grounded, right? Okay. <laughs> Look at this verse again. Let me, in fact, let me go back to it. Okay. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this will keep you off restriction. What does it say? For this is what? What's the word? It's right. It's the right thing to do. Now look at the statement. This is on your outline. Obedience is the right thing to do. And obedience is good for you. Such an important principle. Let me ask you this. When you're a Christian, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? God, God's your father, right? Okay, we've got to be on the same page. <laughs> this isn't going to work at all. God is your father. So when God says, hey, I am really serious. I want you to do this. And you go, why? Why, God? Why do I have to do it? I don't want to do it. What would God say to you? I think he would say this, because it's the right thing to do and because it's good for you. Why is it right? Well, because it's consistent with God's character. And it is good for you because, listen, God gives us his commands to protect us from the consequences of bad choices. We know this, don't we? Some of you have the scars. You could talk for hours about that. So as parents, why do we say to our kids, hey, obeying me in the Lord, according to God's principles, right, is not only right, it's good for you. It's because we love them. We want to protect them from the consequences of bad choices. Works exactly the same way. Now, church... Man, I wish I had hours to talk to you about God's plan for parenting, um, but this is a really crash course this morning. So in the time we have left, I need to do this. I've got two more principles. I'm just going to zoom through them, 
but here's the deal. On the back of your outline is a devotional guide. If you've got that, just flip it over. At the bottom, what do you find there? Who can tell me if you have that in your hand? Starts with an R. Resources. Yeah, there's some really good books, some really good resources that I want to point you to. But let me walk us through these last two principles quickly. Here's building block number four. Don't exasperate your children. Now, where does an idea like that come from? From the Bible. Fathers, do not exasperate your kids. What does it mean to exasperate somebody? To annoy them, to irritate them. One Bible translation says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. So what is it that makes kids angry and annoyed and irritated? Well, real quickly, here's four things to avoid. One is harsh discipline. I'll tell you what, in the culture of the day, the culture that Jesus and Paul lived in, this was a huge problem, especially with fathers. They were so hard on their kids. Listen, God wants us to discipline our kids, but out of love, not out of anger or fear. So we need to avoid harsh discipline because it, it can provoke our kids to anger. Here's another thing. Favoritism, mom always loved you best. Sometimes that's what our kids think, so we need to avoid favoritism, and we see that throughout the Bible. Here's a third, neglect. Kids that are neglected emotionally, spiritually, physically are angry about it. And here's the last thing, inconsistent behavior. You know, sometimes people grow up in a home where the rules change from day to day. You know, one day if you do this, here's a consequence. Other days, there's no consequence. That kind of instability can cause a lot of anger in kids. So those are things to avoid when it comes to exasperating your children. Now, here's building block number five. Coach your kids by training and instructing them. And again, this comes right from the Bible. Fathers, do not exasperate your kids. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is an entire message in and of itself, but let me just give you two important definitions. The first is a definition of training. It's when you model, teach, and encourage your kids to apply God's principles of loving him and loving others. I mean, Jesus said, here's the deal. Most important thing, love God, love other people. So as a parent, if we're going to coach our kids we need to train them as we model, teach, and encourage them to apply those principles in their lives. Now, instruction has a different nuance to it. So let me give you another definition of instruction. Instruction is when you warn and correct your children when they display attitudes or actions that are inconsistent with God's principles of loving him and loving others. When you say to your child, I love you too much to let you do that. I love you too much to let you wear that. I love you too much to let you go there. See, the idea is you warn them because you know that if they pursue this path, it will not end well. So again, training is when you model, teach, and encourage. Instruction is when you warn and correct. Now, take a look at this verse. And again, this is from the Old Testament. This is from the book of Deuteronomy. And when you look at these verses, the context, again, is so important to understand. Israel's going into this new situation, this promised land. They've got to learn how to live as God's people. And what does that mean for them as parents? And so Moses gives some really pointed instructions. He says this, these commandments that I give you today, God's commandments, are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Now, this is a great coaching plan for parents right here in this passage. And let me just distill it in two statements. And here is the first. Build a relationship 
and be an example. Build a relationship and be an example. Remember a guy named Josh McDowell who did a, a number of um, parenting seminars, written a number of books, and he said this one time when he was speaking. He said, rules without a relationship lead to rebellion. A relationship with our kids is so important. And of course, being an example is key as well. And that's why when Moses is talking to parents, he says, hey, moms, dads, these commandments that I give you today need to be on your heart first because if they're not, you're not going to be able to impress them on your kids because they're looking at you. Not just what you say, but what you do. And then this, this other statement about coaching kids is this. Be on the lookout for teachable moments. Teachable moments. That verse says, hey, here's when I want you to talk about these commandments of God. When you get up, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, throughout the day, we can be on the lookout for ways to talk to our kids about God and how to love him and how to love other people and to demonstrate that. And then the last thing is this, be persistent in prayer. Be persistent in prayer. I'm gonna talk about that in just a moment. Well, so far, we've looked at God's plan for parenting. But what do you do when things don't work out the way you had planned? What do you do when you have a son or a daughter or a grandchild who is not following God's path for their life? Or maybe they just don't care about God's path. Or maybe they are rebelling actively against God's plan for their life. I want to just point out a couple of things that I think are really helpful. And the first is this. Don't be too embarrassed to ask for prayer and support. Don't be too embarrassed to ask for prayer and support. We started this series with an important principle. All families have what? Issues. All families have issues. And as a pastor, I know that, you know, so often people look at a pastor or a pastor's wife at their marriage or that family and go, they don't have any issues. Let me assure you, our family has issues. Chris and I are not perfect people. We don't have a perfect marriage. We don't have perfect kids or perfect grandkids. Listen, it, it's important to realize that we all struggle in different ways. And I think one of the saddest things is to, to come to a church and feel like I can't tell anybody what I'm struggling with because they wouldn't understand and they probably wouldn't accept me. I want to tell you this. At BBCC, I believe it's just the opposite because God wants us to have that opportunity to be real, to be authentic, to let people know, hey, I'm hurting. I need your help. I need your support. I need your encouragement. And listen, God, this is, this is what's so important. That's the reason that God plays parenting within the context of the church family, so that we can be there for each other. Now, there's another really important thing that I think parents need to, to hear when their kids are struggling or they've just gone down the wrong path. And it's this. Don't take all the blame on yourself for the choices your kids have made. Because as parents, that's our tendency. I know it's my tendency. I remember having a conversation with a parent and they said, well, Pastor Dudley, it says right here in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse six, train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And my son has departed from it and I am a failure. I tried to gently point out, first of all, the Bible wasn't given by God to put parents on a guilt trip. But beyond that, the verses in Proverbs are not blanket guarantees. If you do this, this will always happen. 
their general principles. And there's a very important principle from Scripture when it comes to choices, and it's simply this. You're responsible for your choices, and your children are responsible for their choices. And we need to always remember that. Now, here's something else that I think is really important, and I could spend a lot of time on this. It's knowing the difference between helping and enabling. And there's a very important distinction. I mean, you can help somebody, and that's great, but if you enable bad behavior, that's not great. That's not good. And so the question is, as a parent, well, how do I know when I'm stepping over the line? Because I want to help my, my son, I want to help my daughter, but I don't want to enable bad behavior. And you've probably heard this, and this is something that, that I think has a lot of merit. It's the idea that, you know what? If you're going to take God's plan here for parenting and put it into practice in your family, when your kids mess up, don't just step in and rescue them. Let them experience the consequences of their choices. And I think generally that that is true. But there are times when other things are in play. There are other times when we have to consider the physical safety of our children, depending on the circumstance. There are times we have to consider medical issues. Sometimes we have to consider this, mental health issues. And so when you're in a situation like that, it's not easy to know the line between helping and enabling. So I encourage you to do this. Seek out the counsel of some other wise Christians. Seek out the counsel of a Christian counselor who can help you navigate that and figure out how to go forward. Here's another thing to keep in mind when your kids are struggling. Don't forget the rest of your family. I mean, if you have other kids, uh, maybe one of them is off the rails, but not all of them. And so what can happen is you're giving so much time and so much attention and so much energy to this one child that the other kids feel neglected. But that can happen with your spouse too. Because you're just so wrapped up in, in your response to what your child is doing that you can neglect your spouse. So my encouragement is don't do that. Don't forget about the rest of your family. Because you know what? They're hurting too. Here's another thing that's important. Learn to deal with how you feel. Because man, we experience all kinds of emotions when we have a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter, one of the most common and I think intense emotions that we have to process is anger. Because sometimes when our kids make choices that, that hurt them and, and hurt others and even hurt us, we're angry about that. And sometimes we're not just angry with our kids, we're angry with ourselves because how could I be so stupid? How could I not see this? And so there's anger directed at ourselves. Sometimes that anger is directed toward their friends who maybe influence them to make some bad choices. And along with the anger, there's often a sadness. I mean, you're just heartbroken. You're disappointed. You're discouraged. Sometimes you're depressed. And what you need to be able to do is be honest about that and find somebody that you trust and talk to them. And I'll tell you this, for, for me and my wife, Chris, we are really thankful that we have some trusted friends that God has brought into our life that we can talk to when we're struggling with stuff in our family. I encourage you, find a friendship like that. And one of the best places to look is right here in your church family. And the last thing is this. Be persistent in prayer. Be persistent in prayer. Listen, no matter how painful or difficult a situation might be with your, your son, your daughter, your grandchild, keep loving them and keep praying for them. And remember this, that God is in charge. God is always in charge. And that God cares. You know, I remind myself, hey, Dudley, God loves your kids and your grandkids more than you do. And they're in his hands, and there's no better place to be.
to be. And realize this, what you're going through is a chapter, a chapter in the book. And God, by his grace, can write a new chapter with a new ending because he's God and we're not. And I just want to encourage you, moms, dads, if you're going through a tough time right now, do what Jesus said because he encouraged us to do this, to always pray and not give up. So let's do that now. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you're a perfect father. God, thank you that you know everything about us, everything about our, our families. God, thank you for our kids. The, the scripture says that we should consider our children a gift from the Lord, and they are, God. So we thank you for the kids in our family, the kids in our church family. And Father, today, whatever our parenting situation might be, we're thankful that you know and that you care. And Father, on behalf of all the parents and the grandparents here today, I pray that you'll give us the grace and the strength and the patience and the hope that we need, God. We pray, Father, that our children and our grandchildren will know you and love you and trust you and follow Jesus all the days of their lives. And God, for the kids who are struggling, because many of our kids have struggles, we pray that you, God, would help them. Help them with their struggle with doubt and fear and anger and temptation. God, would you reveal yourself to them and show them that you're real and convince them, God, that you care about them. And Father, for the kids who have wandered away from you and your purpose for their lives, we simply pray this. Bring them home. God, bring them home to us. Bring them home to you. And God, please give us the, the grace that we need to keep praying, to keep waiting, keep believing that our lives and the lives of our kids really are in your hands. And Father, help us to do this, to keep our eyes on Jesus and to keep running this race that you've chosen for us. For we pray in our Savior's name, amen.